Welcome, everybody, back to a brand new episode of Kaiju Conversation. I am your very tired and exhausted host, Elijah, and joining me as always is the editor and my co-host, Rex. Hello, I am the slightly less tired Rex. The slightly less, the slight, oh dear God, I'm already fumbling. <laughs> this is going to be a great episode. I'm going to either, either A, have to stop talking so fast, or B, get some, some, uh, coffee into my system that isn't horrible if you want to know why i just said that you probably should check out the bloopers for this episode whenever they go live because let me tell you there's there's gonna be some stuff in there i don't know what rex is gonna keep but oh dear god there's there's over 40 there's 40 minutes of absolute weird stuff so how are you rex how's how's life treating you uh all things considered pretty pretty good I got a fair bit more free time at the moment, so I'm chilling a fair bit mostly. Nice. Uh, have you have you watched any Tokusatsu lately? Yeah. Um, so last time I remember talking a fair bit about my uh, current ring obsession. Um, I've finished the um, first novel now. I'm almost finished Spiral. I've got about like 40 odd pages left. And then um, I also, I watched the 1995 TV movie as well as rewatched uh, the Gore Verbinski remake. Nice, 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 nice. I, 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 I wish we could, and I wish we had time on this to talk about that because I would love to hear your thoughts on the ring, like the ring versus ring. Cause that's that's a discussion that I've been like aching. That ring versus ring versus the ring. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's a conversation for another day. Um, I will say the 1995 TV movie is by far the most accurate to um, the book, but some of the changes made to that film most definitely inspired where the where the Nakata film went in direction. Like, no doubt about that. Outside of Ring, though, um, I haven't watched too much. I've been catching up a little bit on Ultraman Decker, you know. I kind of got, kind of fell behind a few episodes. And uh, so, fittingly, the most recent episode I watched is the one that features Gomez and was released as a tribute to Godzilla. Gotta love that one. Even and featuring a couple homages to 54. Ooh. That's that's interesting. Speaking yeah. of uh, Decker, they I, I and I know we don't really talk about news on here, but they just announced the Decker movie, so yeah, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, um, yeah, and that'll probably get released to uh, what is it called? Um, Ultra Connections. Connections. Mm -hmm. Yeah, soon enough, probably like a week or a week to a month or so after Japanese release. Um, and then outside of that, I haven't watched too much else. Um, I did watch Zebraman uh, last night. Nice, nice. I, I, you should definitely read. I'm plugging myself. I wrote an article about Zebraman for Kaiju Ramen. You might want to check that out. But mm. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna love talking to you about Zebraman because, mm. and you know, common writer more than I do. So, I'm, I'd yeah. be curious to hear your your take on Zebraman compared to, uh, you know, what, what Henshin it's inspired by. You see, also, it's very fitting. I watched Zebraman off the same day I watched The Ring 
because there's a Sadako, um, the Sentai gag in it. In Zebra Man? Yeah, on the TV, they like at the very beginning of the movie, they have they show like a Sentai parody show, and and the like, um, and like the ranger in that is fighting like Sadako. I'm gonna have to rewatch that. I don't remember. Yeah, no. That. No, it's literally Sadako, and she's in a well. <laughs> like, she's half out the well. And then she starts jumping around and, and all that. It's really funny. I'm going to uh, have to look into that. I, I totally missed that. No, it's literally Sadako, bro. <laughs> I don't know how you don't remember it. Because that was I almost mean, like my favorite part. It was, it was pro- I watched it before I had watched the Ring film, so I wasn't well-educated. So maybe... Uh, I mean that just goes yeah, to show sure. that I need to go back and rewatch a lot of this stuff because I'll I'll see links mm-hmm. uh, and whatnot to things that I never saw before. Yeah, I thought it was very very funny and very fitting given my current obsession. <laughs> right, right. Um, I I loved um the I loved the um like fake seventies style Zebraman opening um, mm-hmm. that they had in the film because. The way it's shot and the way it's edited too genuinely does look pretty accurate to like what a show. Yeah. You know, like Common Rider seventy one intro, you know? Yeah. It looks very a lot like that. And it doesn't it doesn't look fake either. It honestly looks pretty real for something like that, you know? Yeah. I would agree with that. Um probably my one main issue with the movie was just that I thought it was like twenty or thirty minutes too long. Gotcha. If if it was shorter, I would have loved it a lot more. Um, gotcha. Because I thought the first, roughly the first half was great. After that was when I really started clocking out and was kind of just trying to stay awake. <laughs> gotcha. Um, yeah, no, it's okay. Have you watched anything else? Or is, um, is that pretty much it? That's pretty much it, bar one other... Uh, film the titular film of this episode yeah i don't know what you're talking about Mm -hmm. yeah you totally don't yeah i don't um just like you know about this gag yeah i don't know what you're talking what gag Um, yeah i don't know i don't know either um as for me I haven't been watching anything because, you know, I'm working. I'm actually, uh, for this next pay period, I'm going to hit 100 hours on my paycheck. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. It's been a long, long, long week and a half. For retail, Thanksgiving and Black Friday is killer. Um, And beyond that, I've been finishing up cleaning my house. So I've been pretty busy. Um, but hopefully that will change. I, I found time to watch both versions of a movie. I can't remember the name of it. Um, but I, I found time to watch. Uh, Why do these titles always keep escaping us in the beginning yeah, of these episodes? I, I blame it on the fact that why my voice is going to be like scratchy throughout this entire <laughs> episode, which again, if you want to understand why I've been screaming for 40 minutes, you'll understand in the bloopers somehow. Hopefully. Maybe not. Maybe nobody will understand me. Um, no one ever will. Yeah, no. Speaking of no one, let's ask the our audience if they know what our 
episode we're covering today is what what are we talking about fans mm, big monkey no we gotta it, remember we do the door of the explorer thing and we let them answer and then it's like great job that yeah, said big monkey you. No, we're not covering monkey business. What What do you mean? What do you mean we're not covering we're not, monkey business? We're not covering monkey business. I don't want to talk about Godzilla versus Kong. Ew, not that one. No. Oh, I mean, big monkey, like King Kong. We're, we're doing King Kong's escapes, right? I would rather talk about Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster than King Kong escapes. Oh, is that what we're doing today? Wait, is that what we're talking about? Oh my god. You oh, spoiled it. I'm so happy that I, I I would rather talk about that one. Because that's definitely what we're talking about. Damn, are you trying to gaslight the audience into thinking it isn't? <laughs> are you trying to gaslight me into thinking it isn't? No, no, because that, that is what we're talking about. See, look at the podcast square. Look at it right now. Do you see it? Um, I see... King Kong. Or actually, let me correct myself. I'm sorry. We're not we're not covering Ghidorah the three-headed monster. We we are covering <clears throat> hang on. I, I'm sorry. I, I got the title wrong. We are covering Sandai Kaiju Chuyu Saidai no Kessen. And the know? entire Japanese audience just left because of that butchered pronunciation. Okay, then you pronounce it. Shut up. Sandai Kaiju Chukyu Saidai no Kessen. Okay, I guess that's close enough. Sandai Kaiju Chuyu San Sandai Kaiju Chikyu Saidai no Kessen, which translates to three giant monsters. Earth's greatest battle. Or battle on Earth. It depends on how you translate it. Yeah, but that happens with Japanese. This is true. So we're going to talk about the movie with three giant monsters and being it being Earth's greatest battle. And then Ghidorah the giant monster. monster has four. Yeah, yeah. The actual title is Three Giant Monsters: Earth's Greatest Battle, and then in parentheses. So really, it's false advertising. No, no, because in parentheses, like below the title, there's going to be plus another monster that's not so giant. <sighs> the biggest battle on Earth. The movie. So, as you guys can kind of tell, we are talking about the 1964 film Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, directed by Ishiro Honda. Mm -hmm. Could you be any more unenthused by that? I'm sorry, monkey. I just had dinner. Oh, aren't you special? Imagine eating. So, uh, we are finishing up the month of Godzilla's birthday with something kind of poetic, all things considered. Uh, it's Godzilla's birth month. We did an episode on Mothra versus Godzilla <clears throat> at the beginning of the month. And we're finishing it with Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster at the end of the month. Much like how in the year 1964, Mothra vs. Godzilla came out at the beginning of the year, and at the end of the year, you had Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster. Mm -hmm. um, I... Thanks, Redbeard. What? Thanks, Redbeard. What? Redbeard, you know? The oh, yes, film. yes, yes. 
I, I couldn't I couldn't <laughs> understand what you're saying. Yes, thanks, Redbeard. Uh so I, I can say that this was definitely planned out. This is definitely us being intelligent people. But speaking mm. of Redbeard. Yeah, we, pl- we planned it like four years in advance. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Speaking of Redbeard, though, <laughs> uh, yes, that's actually one of the things I learned about Ghidorah uh, upon researching it for this episode was because of Akira Kurosawa's red beard being delayed, they rushed Ghidorah into production. And we also lost the presence of actor Yoshio Sichia as a villain. We did, we did. But we also, I mean, we were able to get Takashi Shimura. Uh, I know, I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. if I recall correctly, he wasn't really available. So that's why he took this very minor role in the film, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's why he wasn't in, um, what was it, Dogura? I, that he wasn't I in? think Dogura and Mothra versus, like, the reason for his yeah. absence was he was busy doing Kurosawa stuff. I know for King Kong versus Godzilla, he was too busy doing Yojimbo to, to appear in that, mm. because Yojimbo and King Kong versus Godzilla were the two flagships for 1962. And 1964 was supposed to be Mothra versus Godzilla and Redbeard, but because of Redbeard's delay, it ended up being Mothra versus Godzilla and Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, I I wish we could have seen uh, Yotsio uh, Tsuchiya uh, appear in this film, but I'm not upset with who we ended up getting because he was going to play the villain Actually, before yeah. we get too far into this, we should probably give a breakdown of what we're talking about. Hmm. So since you did Mothra versus Godzilla, let me do this one. Uh, that way it's only fair. So Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster starts off with this exposition about how Earth is experiencing a lot of strange occurrences right now, a heat wave in the winter, um, a disease is going around, uh, and there's a lot of strange events on Earth. And we start off with this UFO watching organization trying to contact uh, UFOs to warn Earth about the coming doom. This is kind of dropped as the narrative continues. We ne- uh, start to follow Shindo, our main character. He is a police officer who is assigned to be the bodyguard of a political figure from a small third world Asian country that is uh, taking refuge in Japan as there's an assassination plan in play to kill her. That's when we're introduced to Princess Salno, uh, the, I would say, the leading uh, character, not our protagonist, but our leading character, because she kind of, she's the reason everything kind of falls into place. Like she's our, yeah. she's our guide on this journey. I mean, quite yeah. literally. Um, she is the prophet. She is. She <laughs> is. Um, so on her plane ride to Japan, a mysterious voice tells her to get out of the plane. So she jumps out of the plane. And then the plane explodes, 
And then we find out that she was she's alive, she's okay, she's in Japan, she's warning people that Rodan and Godzilla will appear, um, and that she's from the planet, depending on the version, because the Japanese version says Venus, the American version says Mars. I mean, even a name depends <clears throat> on which version. True. I go with... Because in Japanese, it's like Marcelina Salmo, and then in the American version, it's like something that like is just all alliteration for S. Right. I, I say Princess Salmo. That's what I go with. Yeah, same. It's easier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then we follow uh, Princess Salmo, who's, you know, prophesizing all this stuff to happen. We are reintroduced to the Peanuts playing the Shobajin, who appear on a TV show, uh, giving us an update on Mothra. We are introduced to our uh, one of our supporting characters. Her name escapes me. Um, <clears throat> uh, was it Shindo? It's Shindo's. Is it Shindo's? Um, yes, yes. Um, I think her name was Nayoko. Na- Nayoko, yeah. Uh, who is a reporter trying to get stories for this new series titled Mysteries of the 20th Century. Um, Of course, Shindo is now on a journey trying to find the princess because he is her bodyguard. And then we're introduced to our lead scientist for the film, Mirai. Not the... So, a friend of mine, Danny DeMana, and I was on a phone call. He is not playing the same character from Mothra vs. Godzilla. There's slightly yeah, there's there's a slight spelling difference. It's the yeah. same character, but it's a slight spelling difference. Yep. Who uh, at the beginning of the film, there's a meteor shower. I failed to uh, mention that, and one of the meteorites lands by uh, what's the dam? Oh my god, I know it, I know it, <laughs> Kurobe Dam. Mm-hmm. So there's a meteorite by Kurobe Dam. They ask scientists to go ex- uh, check it out. Our main scientist, Professor Mirai, goes and investigates. So we have our main group of characters. Um, the Shobajin, Shindo, Naoko, and Professor Mirai, and Princess Salno. Mm-hmm. Um, the princess's prophecies come true. Rodan awakes. Godzilla awakes. They start a rampage. Japan is kind of in this fear. They collide. They're fighting. They're trying to. F- they find the princess. They're trying to figure out if she uh, is really from Venus or Mars, or if she is the princess. They uh, the assassins find out she's in Japan. They go to Japan. They're trying to kill her. So you have a constant uh, fight to hide the princess and protect the princess, while also trying to figure out how to save the world. Eventually, it comes down to them taking her to a laboratory to try and help her um, and then meet with the prime minister and the cabinet of Japan to try and figure out a plan to save it from Godzilla, Rodan, and now the recently birthed Ghidorah that hatches out of the meteorite that Professor Mirai was checking out. Um, once the Once Ghidorah... Hatches, I guess, is is born. Mirai is no longer relevant, really, um, to the story. Though he does appear uh, at the end, as you know, he is one of our supporting cast members. He stands on the side of the hill, watching all the stuff go down. Yeah. Um, 
Shindo continues to protect the princess. The assassins try to kill her. Due to Ghidorah, most of the assassins are killed except our main one, Malnus, uh, Naoko, and the Shobajin, and uh, Professor Tezukamoto. I love that name. Uh, <laughs> they all of, our, all of our characters meet up. They end up on a hilltop watching as Godzilla, Rodan, and Mothra argue about coming together in a brotherhood of kaiju to fight Ghidorah. Mothra goes out trying to fight Ghidorah on her own, on his own. I think it's a he. I'm pretty sure the larva is... Only in the American dub. Only in the American dub? Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> when, and then Godzilla... It's Rodan, either genderless or a she in the Japanese. Gotcha. Uh, and then Godzilla and Rodan appear to help Mothra. They fight Ghidorah. They end up getting Ghidorah to uh, forfeit the fight, and Ghidorah flies off. Everybody's happy. They go back to their home, homelands, and that's the story. Yep. There's also a ton <laughs> of other subplots that go nowhere, but those aren't important to the general synopses. So, as established, this took place. This film was made because of Red Beard being delayed, which I still need to watch. Red Beard. That's on my list. So this was one of my first Godzilla movies. I think it was my third. Mm-hmm. It was either my second or third. It might have been my second now that I think about it. Because my first was Terror, and then I think this one was my second. And then it was Mothra versus Godzilla. So I've known this movie for as long as I can really remember. How about you, Rex? Yeah. Uh, for me, honestly, the first time I saw this was probably back, like, around the same time I saw uh, Mothra vs. Godzilla, around like 2018 or 2019, something like that. Because, um, you know, for me, the only show of films I had access to in most of my childhood was just um, Gigan and uh, Gigan and Ibra. So, but since uh, first seeing it in, um, was it like 2018, 2019, I've now seen this film probably more than any other any of the other short films at about probably like five, five or six times now. Hmm. Okay. So you, it sounds like you might like this film, but we'll, we'll get into mm. that. Mm. We'll get Maybe. into that. Maybe. So where do you want to, do you want to continue on from like the conception to the product? Uh, Let's go a little bit into the conception too. Um, it, I found it interesting that, like, you know, following um, following uh, Mothra vs. Godzilla, the the idea that was floating around um, for the next film was to be in 1965 with um, Frankenstein vs. Godzilla or Godzilla vs. Frankenstein. Correct. Um, and then also, very briefly, Godzilla vs. the Devilfish floated around too, but mm-hmm. that really got shut down by by Toho pretty quick, quickly. Right. <laughs> now, be- after those ideas were kind of scrapped, uh, they did uh, – there were three drafts for Ghidorah written by Shinichi Sekizawa, who uh, David Callet really highlighted in his commentary, like yes. really singled him out. And to be honest, yeah. I I'm I mean, 
go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, he the he states in that commentary, if there's one thing you take away from that from this, it's the name Shinichi Sekizawa. Right. <laughs> and I, I I always was like confused. Why why are we like why him? And then upon my rewatch this time on both versions, I realized your first credit is the producer Tomoyuki Tanaka. Okay, makes sense. Your second one is written by Shinji Sekizawa. So Sekizawa mm-hmm. got number two billing on the crew for this film. Um, I'd have to go back and check, but I do not believe that was the case for Mothra versus Godzilla or Mothra or Varen. I do not believe. Um, I could be wrong there. If I'm wrong, somebody fact check me. Yes. So... I realize that with this film, it's really Sekizawa taking the reins of the franchise, and I'm I'm gonna have a whole uh, uh, idea to to what I have to say about the film. But Tanaka, uh, or not Tanaka, Sekizawa uh, was really invested with this film. He wrote three drafts. Um, of course, one of the drafts ended up being the final film. Uh, one yeah. of them included Ghidorah appearing in New York, which would later be... I think that was the final draft, actually, that had that. I Well, yeah, it was up until the final draft, and then it got cut. Yeah. Um, which, that idea did get uh, brought back into Invasion of Astro Monster in a line where they say that uh, King Ghidorah is attacking New York, if I remember correctly. I think you're right about that. I know he I attacks... America, they specifically say America, but I don't mm-hmm. – I'm, I'm pretty sure they specify it's New York. It's either mm-hmm. New York or Washington, D.C. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, Washington, D.C., you're probably just thinking of cotton. Yeah, I was thinking about that when I said that. <laughs> um, so he wrote three drafts. The one that I read the most about was the one where – uh, there was no Princess Salno. Um, it was yeah. it was Shindo, uh, basically trying to crack down on these drug dealers, um, mm-hmm. trying to smuggle drugs, much like Dogura, which was about diamond thieves. This was a cops and robbers kind of story idea. Um, Fitting how these space monsters started uh, appearing in Sekizawa scripts around '64. <laughs> right, right, exactly. I mean, Dogura, Mothra, and Ghidorah share basically the same main crew. And um, a lot of the cast members. Yep, and eight eight cast members appear in all three films. In Koizumi plays a different professor in each one. <laughs> <laughs> As we've pointed out. Yep. Akio Wakabayashi plays some stunning... Uh, side characters that are really like take the show in both Dokura mm-hmm. and Ghidorah. Yeah. Of course, Yotsuya Tsuchiya uh, was your main uh, antagonist in Mothra, and he was also the antagonist in Dogura, Um if I remember correctly. Was he? Was he? Or was he? I don't he was. He was in Dogura. I don't remember if he was in Dogura. I'm, I'm pretty, trying. I'm pretty sure he was. I mean, he might have been, but I'm trying to think back, and I don't recall him being in it. 
I'm Googling it real quick. I know I know um this film's protagonist, um, his actor was in it. Um I might be thinking of a different Okay, yeah, he is not. But hmm. uh Future um Godzilla vs. Megalon um Robert Dunham actor Robert Dunham appeared though. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think I was thinking of Yoshifumi uh Takjima. Tajima, mm-hmm. uh, who played the other antagonist in Mothra vs. Godzilla. He was he was in Dogura. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's in this film. Mm-hmm. Yotsuki uh, Natsuki uh, was one was a actor in it, and he was in all three, if I remember correctly. I don't recall him in Mothra versus, but maybe I'm wrong. So, I mean, there was a lot of... And then, of course, you had Shinichi Sekizawa... Uh, Eiji Tsuburaya, Shiro Honda, uh, the Peanuts. Uh, the, yep. Uh, you have uh, Akira Ifukube, Tomoyuki Tanaka, and I'm sure basically the same stagehands. Um, mm-hmm. You've got like the same editor, Ryohei Fuji, <clears throat> Hajime Koizumi as cinematographer, Ter- um, Teriyoshi Nakano as uh, yeah. Vex assistant. You've got a virtually the same crew. I mean, a lot of these guys carry over into many, many right. of the show films. But specifically, sixty four is special because there was three of them, all in the same year, mm. um, one right after each other. Ghidorah, I, I feel like Ghidorah was really rushed, but it doesn't feel that way. Yeah, it's honestly amazing how just how, in spite of like all of his crew and cast members working on, you know, three monster movies together, like, which get released are pretty close to each other, you know, same year. Um, it's amazing how just none of these films really feel rushed. I mean, Dogger, I'd say, gets the shortest end of the stick, but even then I wouldn't quite call it a rush film. I'd say that's probably more down to the script, maybe. Mm-hmm. That's the issue. Um, but yeah, no, this this film is just... Sorry, I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> no, I, I think what you were trying to say is this film, for what it had, went above and beyond what you would expect because like yeah. you have films like Godzilla versus Megalon written by Shinichi Sekizawa produced by Tomoyuki Tanaka. Uh, I mean that, and like Teriyoshi Nakano did the effects, but like not, mm. not, not the same crew, almost a, an entirely new crew. Um, I mean, mind you, it was, you know, the seventies champion film. Right. Uh, but, but, uh, Megalon had a production of probably only about a month. Like it had a yeah, month exactly. to to film and write the script, exactly. and then it had like two months to edit. But yeah. that's still a quarter of a year. Mm. Ghidorah had maybe two more months than that. Because keep in mind, they were working on Dogura in. Sp- like late spring, early summer, and they weren't mm. done with that until August. So mm. it wouldn't be until like 
late August or early September that they could do the film. So September, October, November, that's roughly four months. This film probably yeah. had maybe only a month or two more than Megalon. And I, I, I'm, we're not going to go into Megalon a lot here, but I think Adora the Three-Headed Monster outshines Megalon with the, that extra two months by... Oh, no doubt. Like, light years. I, and, like, the fact that three drafts for the film appeared before the final script. Like, Sekizawa was, like, on his game for Ghidorah. Mm. The fact that... I mean, he, this was still fairly early on, relatively speaking, in his uh, kaiju writing career. Right. Um, but Whereas Megalon was, like, a fair bit after he'd already gotten burnt out, around, like, Son of Godzilla-ish. But he had already made it clear in in writing around the time of Ghidorah that he was not happy with what, what had became the kaiju genre, which was your typical monster on the loose film. Um, even, even Mothra versus Godzilla, I think is, is a transitional film. Um, and, and we talked about Mothra versus Godzilla, uh, pretty extensively in the last episode. So definitely check that one out. Um, yeah. you haven't, um, because that's, that's like the, the complimentative episode to this one. Um, but, Mothra versus Godzilla feels like a transitional of Sekizawa trying to update, but also keep to that classic kaiju film tropes of the mid to late 1950s and early 1960s. Yeah, yeah. Um, which was essentially you have your human plot until the last act of the film, and then the kaiju come in. Mm. Um. Granted, Sekizawa also was kind of known for writing scripts that tried to combine both the human side and the kaiju side into one story and somehow yeah. mix up at the end. And like I said in our last episode for Mothra, I felt like Mothra versus Godzilla suffered from a very uninteresting final, like mix i mean the issue is that mothra vs godzilla just resolves itself too quickly on the human plot mm -hmm. and so it's just it's just grasping at straws for what its characters can do in the in the last act right which is where we get the children i mean and that credit where credit is due at least it's not heisei where they just give up on humans in the final act of half of those films this is true. Um, <laughs> but I, I appreciate that in, and specifically Sekizawa's writing for the film, he doesn't conclude the human storyline until essentially the last few minutes of yeah. the kaiju fight, which is fine because once the human story is finalized, you get to see the finalization of the kaiju fight, which does not outstay its welcome. And then you have the epilogue of yeah. everybody. And the epilogue itself is, you know, an actual conclusion to, you know, the character's journey. Correct. Yeah. Particularly for Shindo and Salma. Even though, and I'm 
So it's funny because when I was reading about Mothra versus Godzilla, I commented uh, on the podcast about how everybody seemed to praise that film. Mm-hmm. While reading Ghidorah, everybody criticized. Like, uh, there was a lot of criticisms for the movie. Um, and one mm-hmm. of them I read was the conclusion's too quick. It kind of alludes to a potential romantic uh, interaction between Shindo and Princess Salno, but it goes nowhere, and everybody just kind of waves and leaves. I mean, that's kind of the point that they'll never, that they'll probably never meet again. Right, right. <laughs> it's it's a very Roman holiday inspired ending because it's supposed to be <laughs> right, and all that Shindo can say is I wish you happiness or uh, I'm trying to remember what he says in the Japanese version. It's I, I hope you live a long life. I mean, you know, different translations too. So true. But the English dub is I wish you happiness. And then the Japanese, according to the classic media translation is uh, I hope you live a long life. Mm. It, it was something like one of those in the criterion. Um, subs gotcha so to me you know i agree with you it's kind of like the forbidden like they they could never actually get together yeah it it, it wouldn't work it just wouldn't um Mm. it's a subplot that goes nowhere and comes from nowhere but i i like that little inclusion like it adds that there could be more here it's just Mm -hmm. not it's not what this narrative's about. Mm-hmm. This narrative was about protecting the princess and protect and saving the world. That yeah. that's that is in its basic form the plot for Ghidorah the three-headed monster. Mm. And unlike Mothra versus Godzilla, I think Ghidorah finds a way to properly fill its runtime. I don't definitely. It's a lot more balanced as yeah. well. And, and I was reading, and this is something very interesting. In within the first thirty minutes, uh, you get the introduction to Mothra. Mm-hmm. Then in forty minutes, so at the forty minute mark, you get introduced to Rodan, and then at about the hour, you get introduced to Godzilla, and then following uh, that, it was about the fifty mark. Then I, then it might have been twenty minutes for Mothra. 30, 30 minutes for Rodan, 40 minutes for Godzilla, and 50 minutes for Ghidorah. Like it's like something like that. It's like every 10 minutes you get the next monster. So mm. it, it properly builds up each of the monsters and introduces them, and then you get your final conclusion with all of them. Which yeah. this is going off on a bit of a tangent. But that is something that King of the Monsters failed to do because think about this. Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster had to reintroduce Mothra from the film prior. Not that difficult. Godzilla, same thing. Mm-hmm. But it had to reintroduce Rodan from almost 10 years ago and introduce a new kaiju being Ghidorah. Yeah. Ghidorah the Three – or King of the Monsters had to reintroduce those same kaiju – Rodan had been about 10 years since properly on screen. It was about 12 or 13. Um, 
actually, I think it was 15, 15 years from Final Wars. Godzilla. Was, I mean, all of them hadn't been on screen by Godzilla for about like 15 or so I mean, years. Ghidorah did appear in Planet Eater the year prior. If we're, uh, if we're going to yeah, keep true, that. true, Planet Eater, Ghidorah, and te- technically Mothra. Mothra. Um, but then you could argue Rodan's skeleton. Yeah, <laughs> but that one, I, I feel like that's a, that's a cameo. <laughs> if even. If even that. Uh, King of the Monsters doesn't take time to introduce... Rodan appears out of... Kind of out of the blue. Mothra... I mean, Rodan's just kind of there to the movie. Mothra is set up. Um, I don't think set up the best because you're also introducing her to a new universe. Um, Ghidorah's, I think, given a proper buildup. And then Godzilla, I think, is properly reintroduced. But you fail on the Rodan... And you don't fully complete Mothra's introduction, which leads to a lacking story for your kaiju. Something that Sekizawa tried not to do. And I, in some ways, I think uh, course correct himself from his Mothra versus Godzilla script, where he concluded the the story way too early mm-hmm. um <clears throat> so for me i thought that was interesting and then i loved the the complete 180 for the shobajin this time they appear on a stage willingly ah, yeah. like i love <laughs> that i think that's great that's a great re- reversal to the shobajin in the last two films it's something new it's something fresh and it shows how if humanity just you know if humanity respects them then humanity can foster a good relationship with Mothra and the earth and you know allow for incredible events like this you know exactly and you know i i think it's great that that they included that because there's a lot to say there and i think that can be translated into even modern day, especially modern day. If you mm. want to work with people, you just respect them. And that, that can that can take you leaps and bounds. It goes back mm. to that brotherhood of man that Honda loved to do. This is an example of that. Them respecting the Shobajin led to a synergy. And it, it ends up helping because the Shobajin then bring Mothra back. Mm. This time it doesn't feel so much as a we got to try to do this. It's they're happy to because yeah. they're respected. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're willing to. They don't. They don't need to really be convinced to do it. I mean, to be fair, the entire world is at stake. But <laughs> but Godzilla could have also shown up on Infant Island. Yeah, and they do use that argument. If I remember correctly, so I think that's it's a worthy. It's still a valid point. Mm-hmm. So I think Mothra has is brilliant. Mothra and the Shobajin are brilliantly put into this film. Mm-hmm. Um, they are the side characters, but as Sekizawa does, he creates memorable side characters. I mean, this is honestly my favorite appearance of the Shobajin in 
any of these films. I agree. And and I, I'm happy that after this, they didn't take on any more roles. This was their last appearance as the Shobajin. The Peanuts grew yeah. tired of playing the characters. So with this, they retired from performing as mm. as those characters. And I feel like that was a good call because I, I don't like – I never liked the Shobajin in Ebera. They felt kind of out of place. Mofra in general just feels out of place in Ebera. I agree. And so there's, there's a reason that the American title does not does not even mention Mofra. Or the international <laughs> title. Neither of them. Yeah. Um so for me, like I agree. I think this is the most memorable of their performances. It certainly is the one where they're they're most comfortable. Hmm. Um I think that's partly because the circumstances in the film and just this was their third time playing these characters. Um, yeah. And it was, I was welcomed and I love the new piece made for this one. Uh, is it a pursuit of happiness? Is that what it's titled? I forget the title, but it's something like that. Um, I, I love it. I, I think it's, it's not as good as the Mothra song. No, but it's beautiful. Um, it, it is. It's it's a very melodious piece, mm. and I appreciate it um, for what it was. And and I think I, I, in the American version, especially, they they like to keep going back to happiness. Shindo wishes uh, Princess Salna, I wish you happiness. And then in the translation, that is. Uh, over the song in the American version, it talks about happiness and the whole yeah. song is about happiness. It's, it's like, this is the film trying to find happiness. Mm. Um, again, in stark contrast to the last few movies where it was doom and gloom and it was, mm. you know, there was little hope. And this one, it feels like there's a lot more hope. And, and, and part of that, I think, comes from the fact that Sekizawa and Toho wanted a lighter, happier film. Oh, this is a lot lighter in tone than coming off Mothra vs. Godzilla. <laughs> mm -hmm. And now, granted, that was against what Honda wanted. Honda hated this change. But, and I was going to bring this up later, but this is a perfect time. Honda later went on to uh, say this, and I feel like people shouldn't cut this quote off too early because I think this is a true example for why Godzilla isn't just a serious franchise. Mm -hmm. So the we all know the quote. Monsters are tragic beings. They are not evil by choice. They are born too tall, too strong, too heavy. That is their tragedy. Yeah. They do not attack people because they want to, but because of their size and strength. Humanity has no other choice but to defend himself. Okay, it's still the same idea, but this is where they cut it. And this is the most important part to, I think, especially making an argument for why Ghidorah is not a travesty, as some people have written in literature. Mm -hmm. After several stories such as this, so think about it, you have 54, Raids Again, Varen, Mothra, Mothra versus Godzilla, King Kong versus Godzilla, uh, Dogara, um, 
in a way you could argue Atragon and Gorath, including Kaiju, after several stories such as this, people end up having a kind of affection for the monsters. They end up caring yeah. about them. And that is where I think this added the whole level of the kaiju are characters too. Mm. With the inclusion of Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster in the filmography of the kaiju Ega, we had the brand new introduction of the fact that these are characters. Godzilla and Rodan and Mothra are given all humanistic characteristics. Mm. Oh, they're greatly anthropomorphized. Even it's started in King Kong vs. Godzilla, but this this film goes much farther with it. This takes it to a whole new level, in my opinion. Mm. I mean, the whole monster talk sequence, as goofy as it is, to me, like explains perfectly why Godzilla and Rodan are the way they are. Mm-hmm. And it's it doesn't detract from what Honda said about them. Mm. Man hates the kaiju and they're you know, they they attack. So why should God's own Rodan care? Mm. It, it it goes back to their tragic beings and they are simply fighting for they lives. just want to live. Yeah, and man hates them. And that is why Godzilla and Rodan are the way they are. Sekizawa, at least in the English dub, that's brilliantly brought across. Mm. Um, I think it doesn't detract from the original concepts of these kaiju at all. I, I think it, it's still in defense of, of what they were. It just shows the lighter side of them as well i mean the thing is as well like even if it even if you could argue that it does detract from 54 i think and the other films i think for this film by itself i think it works perfectly i agree i i think this film i think this film works tremendously Mm. um I think this is probably Sekizawa's strongest script. I would agree. Um, one thing I've noticed, and, and we can either stay on this or what, but this is kind of my overarching opinion that I've been having. Ghidorah was the end of an era of Godzilla. Mm-hmm. This was the end of a very basic idea for Godzilla and bringing Godzilla into the limelight. Yeah. But I mean, even in the Frankenstein script, it's sort of like the Frankenstein vs. Godzilla script, that sort of um, element was starting to appear. I think this, no matter what, with or without this film, Godzilla would have transitioned to a hero no matter what. Right. Um, Because, like, even though in that script he's not technically a hero per se, he is used by the Japanese government. with the intent of um, stopping Frankenstein before he can become the bigger threat. Right. Um, and like, I, and if that film had come to me, then that would be what I would say about that film. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, Godzilla had hit a point where they needed to, they change was needed. Yeah. And the, the series would have stagnated otherwise. Mm-hmm. And with Sekizawa, this film really established the new story structure 
intertwining both the humans and the monsters even better than the prior films he had worked on. Um, creating the they interact with each other a surprising amount, um, mm-hmm. which is something I realized during this watch. They do, and I love like it's it's kind of stupid with the timing, but like how Ghidorah is the one that basically we hate Ghidorah. Ghidorah is the antagonistic monster, but Ghidorah is the one that kind of gets rid of the villains. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting. It's like there's a saying. It's, do you want bad or do you want worse? Mm. They get rid of the bad, which is your assassins, but you have you still have Ghidorah. Even though Ghidorah's taken care of your bad, you still have Ghidorah, which is the worse. Which I think is interesting. And it's fitting coming off Mothra vs. Godzilla, where essentially the same thing happens. Mm-hmm. Where Godzilla takes care of your villain... And Godzilla's the villain of that film. Sekizawa, I think, has a great idea with how to write kaiju movies. And I think I think with Ghidorah specifically, it was the height. Because of how relevant Japan was in the world at the time, I feel like there was a lot of effort put into Ghidorah. Mm. And I think it, it it's it's brilliantly executed. Like, in every department, it feels like effort was put into this movie. Mm. I mean, it helps also that this is just... This feels this feels like a blockbuster before blockbusters were a thing. Like, going back to what we said about how, for how much output Toho was putting, this does not feel rushed at all. You know, no. each one of these films feel... Except maybe Dogra, but even I then, to an extent, feels sandwiched. Um, like Dogra definitely is like the only one where I kind of feel, you know, that yeah, they were pumping these out a lot. Um, but at least with Mothra versus and Ghidorah, it's like these feel like blockbusters in their own right. Like, yeah, and and this was the very first like. It was the house. I, I saw this co- uh, comparison. It was the House of Frankenstein of the Toho era. Mm-hmm. You had yeah. Mothra, Rodan, and Godzilla all together in one movie fighting a new, bigger threat. Yeah, and this is a this is a better Avengers movie than Destroy All Monsters. I would agree. <laughs> and, I, and I think part of that is I, I'm pretty sure Sekizawa didn't write Destroy All Monsters. I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure he did, but we'd have to check. <laughs> I feel I feel like he did. I feel like he did, because I'm pretty sure it was most... At least it was most of the Toho crew. Maybe... Uh, okay, I looked it up. I don't see him being credited, so I guess I'm wrong, maybe. I'm checking real quick. <laughs> Screenplay, but it was Takashi Kimura. I figured it was. Oh, and here's okay, why: Destroy All Monsters a lot is a lot darker of a film. Yeah. Sekizawa did not do the dark films. That was that was Kimura's job. Mm. So look at me being the kaiju historian that I totally am. <laughs> um, 
but it I, I I think Sekizawa knew how to write a fun, exciting crossover. And I think mm. Ghidorah the Threaded Monster perfectly encapsulates that. Oh, um, definitely. Funny enough, uh, I found it interesting that Subaraya was not happy with the Ghidorah suit or the design and thought that the film was just going to be a failure. He had no hope in this movie. He, had no, he didn't like the Ghidorah design? No, he, he wasn't happy. He didn't think it looked right while filming. He didn't like how everything was turning out. He thought it was a failure. He was not proud well, I knew, of it. I knew he wasn't a big fan of the actual, how the wire work was turning out. Because um, it was a very frustrating shoot Ghidorah. Uh, or I mean, there was two dozen Ghidorah wires. At, yeah, exactly. At up to two th- dozen wires. Yeah. There's, there's a reason it's only a Mothra lava. <laughs> right. But the adult Mothra was at one point supposed to appear. Yeah. I mean, wasn't it in one of the earlier drafts, it was supposed to be both Mothras, one adult, yes. one lava? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah. Yeah, it was supposed to be an adult and then the infant, and they were going to be involved um no no i haven't read anywhere where the second rodan was also going to appear um just the one mm. and then of I course mean, is it, is it the same from rodan i could have sworn it was a different one um it's i think canonized as second generation rodan yeah um, i've always read it into it as this was the child of the two because it, yeah. it does look different. Rodan is designed to look a little more cartoonish. Yeah, but the original design would not have worked totally. I, I agree. I and I think Plus I don't think it would have fit amongst I don't think it would have fit with with the three other monsters as well if they just reused that suit. I agree. Or even try to really recreate could. it. Even if they tried to recreate it, I, I don't think it would have worked uh totally no. with the rest of the film. No. It wouldn't have at all. Um, but I, I also wanted to bring this out because we were talking about how the kaiju feel like characters, and, and I think we're still kind of on that topic. Um, I found it interesting in 1988 when Video Treasures released Ghidorah, the Three-Headed Monsters, on VHS. They did not credit Aki, uh, Akio Wakabayashi. Uh, uh, oh, my God. I'm blanking on everybody's names. Uh, uh, Describe give me, them. Give me the rest of the actors. Um, uh, Yosuke Natsuki, Horoshi Koizumi, um, um, Yuriko Hoshi, Hisaya Ito. None of them are credited as the top actors. Do you want to know who is credited as the top actors for the film? Who? Godzilla, Mothra, Rodin, and King Ghidorah. <laughs> so you know, and and it it was a joke. You know, they did that in GMK where they included Godzilla as himself, King Ghidorah as himself, Baragon as himself, Mothra as herself. Uh, and then, I do not remember that in GMK. I only remember that in King of the Monsters. I'm pretty sure that was in GMK. I'd have to check. I'd have to check because that was a reference um, to a movie i thought maybe i'm wrong i i really don't remember it in gmk but i don't know maybe may, maybe it's there maybe i just completely missed it 
but in King of the Monsters, that's credited. And I would, I think 1988's Video Treasures VHS release is actually the first instance of that happening, which is kind mm. of funny. And pretty fitting for this film. Mm-hmm. And this also, speaking of giving the kaiju characters, this was the film that Nakajima went public that he was the guy who had been playing Godzilla with. This was the first time that they went public with who he was. Mm. And he worked heavily with the team to, you know, uh, he was already working pretty heavily with Mothra Versus, but that carried over into Ghidorah, uh, working yeah. with suits and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, the suit here is mostly the same. It's just a replaced head for the most part. Right. And, and then this- maybe some touch-ups? Maybe. maybe, maybe a little bit. Um, speaking of suits... As everybody knows, Ghidorah was also supposed to be multiple different colors. One time it was crimson red, another was a blue rainbow uh, wings. But I found out that uh, Teriyoshi Nakano was the one who came up with the idea for the gold Ghidorah. Oh, Nakano was the one who came up with that? Yeah. Um, Nakano, though, uh, however, was also very against the idea of turning Godzilla into a comedy. Um, mm-hmm. He was not happy with that. So he was very confused why they were doing that in Ghidorah. But, you know, he learned to embrace that and, you know, look at what he ended up doing in the 70s. <laughs> Megalon. Hmm. That's interesting. Because there's a lot... Because you, when you really look at um, interviews, you find a lot of conflicting reports on, like, the story of the Blue Ghidorah, particularly. Um, like, clearly, there was a Ghidorah that was had blue necks and rainbow wings because it's literally on the main poster and numerous promotional stills. Right. Um, including most of, the most, most of the more famous promotional stills for the movie. Um, but a fair lot of the crew, including some of the people who painted Ghidorah, do not recall doing doing the blue um, Ghidorah design. But I think it was a French magazine that did an interview with, with Sugaraya. Yes. That, where he, he mentioned that the idea was originally that crimson design, but then transitioned to that blue, uh, blue and rainbow wings before eventually finally landing on gold Mm -hmm. in an interview i think it was with uh stuart galbraith that's where i'm pretty sure he said or it was guy mariner tucker that's where nakano said that he was the one that came up with the gold idea for Ghidorah. Hmm. because it's interesting because like i think it's keso morase who always seems who at least in an interview with brett hominick claimed that the suit was always supposed to be gold but that that doesn't line up because like it you doesn't said, line up. Uh, oh. The promotional stills in the poster clearly have a colored Ghidorah. Yeah, I mean, he speculated himself that maybe it was baby powder making it appear blue on camera, but like that doesn't make sense. sense. The poster shows that part of Ghidorah is still gold, like the body. I think it was. Yeah, I think. I mean, really, I I kind of think it's. There's probably a mix of 
it's probably a mix of some of these accounts overall. Right. I kind of just have to try and match them up as best as we can. But a lot of the, a lot of these interviews are people recalling things that they did like decades Decades ago. Yeah. Yeah. So memory is going to be fuzzy. We're never going to get a concrete answer. Right. On this, you know. But I seem to be- I would believe Teriyoshi Nakano because he also said that he was the one that had the idea for Godzilla merging out of the dirt in Mothra versus Godzilla. And yeah. he was the assistant effects director. So he definitely yeah. had like a lot of say. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of put a little faith into into him being a part of it. Mm-hmm. No, I'd agree. Um but the Mothra, uh, moving past Ghidorah, uh, the Mothra larva was reused from uh, Mothra yes. versus Godzilla as well. I mean, so, you got to save the budget you spent on that Ghidorah suit, given right. it was, I'm pretty sure it was actually Subaraya's most expensive suit. Um, I'm pretty sure it was. I, um, forgot, I forgot what the um, exact the exact number was but he he actually declared the amount of yen it costed in an interview for like a children's um like a children's magazine or something interesting i know there's a translation of it online if yeah i I could send it to you later definitely do that please (laughs) um i know (laughs) like 50 questions for ag subaraya or something okay I definitely know that they altered Mothra larvae's eyes from blue to red. Yeah. Um, so there was a little touch-ups like like with the Godzilla suit. Um but you know, I'm not I wouldn't be surprised if Ghidorah was the most expensive because this is the best Showa kaiju suit. Period. Mm. In my honest opinion, Ghidorah in Ghidorah the Three Headed Monster is perfect. I he's never been as impressive. The the whole fight is so lively, and that's one thing I love is this all the wire work and the suit action. It's perfect. Like the mm-hmm. final fight is so alive, more alive than destroy all monsters. Yeah. I, I love how Ghidorah's heads like <laughs> Subaraya himself may not have been impressed with it, but having them all sort of moving around at seemingly random, I think works for a monster like this because it's like, it's a monster with three heads. So like, it, I realistically would probably have three personalities. Right. Um, and and a possibly another brain in its legs, if we're going to be scientific. So there's like four brains, four personalities, four like cognitive thoughts going through this thing. Yeah. And each of those is controlling probably their own head, plus the wings, plus the two tails, plus the two feet. It's going to be crazy. It's chaos. Yeah. it. The final fight is so chaotic because you have Rodan flapping his wings and flying, Mothra crawling, Godzilla like fighting, Ghidorah. Mo- it's so – there's so much going on. Mm. And you've got a beautiful set too. Yes. The – for for what is essentially a mostly empty area, it's a very very detailed set, particularly when you compare it to like the seventies films and uh, 
the field in Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah. Mm-hmm. And then I, I think part of that comes from uh, the use of camera angles. And part of that, I think, too, is the beautiful Mount Fuji map painting behind it. Yeah, and, and just the slopes in general that it has. Because all the other, all the other, um, like the the setting for Megalon's final battle and King Ghidorah's final battle, or first main battle between Godzilla and Ghidorah in that film, they're, they're very flat areas. They are. Whereas this has a lot of different slopes and inclines, but it's not just like, oh, it's going down entirely from left, uh, from right to left it goes down no there's um variation in between that there's a lot of different rock formations as well that add to it Mm -hmm. and it's it's just a beautiful set i agree and the miniatures in this movie i love them when godzilla makes landfall for the first time i love the whole sequence like the Mm. lighting is beautiful i love it at night the sets are great it what I love specifically about this film, and it appears in others, but what I love is there are tons of miniatures used in this one. Even at the opening, I'm pretty sure those were miniature buildings that they used. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't look real, and I love that. It is yeah. very artistic, and it's really beautiful to look at. On that scene um, of Godzilla's first appearance, I I love the build up with the whales. I, do I love too. that little detail because not only is it just it's good build up to see them running from the impending danger, it's it's also just nice because it it helps um, add to the scale. You know, if if this is what the whales look like, then we have a point of reference for the size of Godzilla. Right. Yeah, and, and that goes back to what we were saying earlier about how well the script is um, written for this film. Mm. Now, one thing I will say that the film, the Japanese version specifically, faults in is the continuity, not with the writing, but with the lighting. It jumps around yeah. a lot. There's a lot of jumping around in this movie. Yeah, I... I'm going to be honest, I only really noticed it on this watch with um, going from um, when the princess is warning about Ghidorah and then when Ghidorah finally hatches. Right. It, it, That's where I caught it. It's a very – the film in the Japanese version is kind of all over the place narratively. Um, it's all there, like all the building blocks are there for a brilliant story, but the way it's set up is a little convoluted. Um, a bit of a mess, if I would say so myself. Uh, how so? Um, like, the, if, if we're going to take it off of the lighting, this happens over like a week. And there's yeah. not enough that happens, I think, to make it happen in a week. You see, I don't think you're necessarily wrong here. I just it that genuinely just does not affect my experience at all. With Fair enough. I mean, um, I still love it. Like, I'm I'm not gonna. I and what I think 
helps is the Japanese, the American version by Walter Reed went in and edited it so the lighting fit and Ghidorah hatched at the and the halfway point of the movie. And, mm. you know, you had Princess Selna like predicting it a little before and after. Um, and the fight was, uh, the, the Godzilla and Rodan fight was not split up in between uh, the, the uh, cabinet meeting and whatnot. I, I, I think, I think the American version fixes kind of the, scattered concepts going around that i mean at the end they make sense but it takes like it takes the whole film for them to fully like line up properly the american version and the later uh toho champion festival version edited by honda himself fixes these issues and streamlines the story so it's cleaner neater and more tight i'm gonna be honest i preferred the japanese version um really because i this is one of the few godzilla films where i will say the american version's better i don't know for me i just i felt the editing overall here was better um i think some of the changes to like say godzilla's appearance for example that has you know massive insane continuity of errors where godzilla's on land and oh now he's just emerging from the water um and I, and I think I get why they had, say, um, at the very beginning of that sequence, when Godzilla first emerges from the water, I get why they edited it so that it's um, Rodan, he sees Rodan and goes to chase him um, before he's made landfall. I get the thinking behind that, but it just looks choppy to me because Godzilla was fully dry after just emerging from the water. See, I I don't know. Like I said, I, I like I like the pacing and I like how tight the narrative was. I don't know. Um, I, almost, I, I kind of feel it's too short and I think there's little little fun moments in the film that just get cut, that have been cut out because of that. I, I just think there's some really fun moments that are cut out i swear i i could be wrong on this but i swear they cut out like the little bit in the fight where where Ghidorah shoots out of godzilla's crotch that's Um, not cut from the american version i know the banter between shindo and uh nayoko his his sister is cut down yeah that that i think is i think that's a loss i i think that should they should have i i would agree with that one i think i think that banter is important um adding just to that that relationship they have um mm-hmm. but for the kaiju stuff at least i thought i thought the walter reed version did a spectacular job and even predicting what honda would later do maybe honda took inspiration from it i don't know yeah but... I, I don't know i just I, I i just i maybe it's just because i like this movie enough where i want more of it you know maybe Fair. maybe that's the thing Okay. Uh, but I think there's one change that you'll agree with me on that is for the worse. Is it the Ifukube music? Yes. Yes. I don't appreciate them removing so much of Ifukube's original music. I think it, the the best the best music is still there. Yeah, it gets better by the it gets better like in the last act where they 
stop removing the Ifukube music and just let it play. But I, I think in the first, first like half or so of the movie, where it's mostly just um, the stock library music, mm-hmm. it just, I, I think that just kind of it. The movie loses a lot of energy from its absence for me. I, I would agree with that. Um, I mean, if Akube is the sound of Godzilla, hmm. so yeah, I like if Akube's music is a is a big, very important part of its identity. I think mm-hmm. these movies would not be the same without him, and that shows here. I agree. I I, I would agree there. Um, oh, just one more thing. No, one little error that I actually did notice on when I was rewatching the Japanese version of this, you know how they mentioned that it's winter, but they're going through a massive heat wave at the moment. Yes. Everyone is wearing very hot clothes. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is actually, that's a great point. Everyone um, like, uh, Koizumi's it, and the scientists are all in, uh, winter sweaters. There's people wearing leather jackets and scarves on top. <laughs> that was yeah. a little thing that I noticed. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah, I get it's technically winter, but isn't this supposed to be a heat wave? This is this is a good point. A little I, mess up on the on the costume department. Now, one <laughs> thing that I didn't like uh in both versions is the jump cut in Ghidorah's birth. That drives me nuts. Um Especially see, strangely enough, I don't actually hate that. It it's very jarring, but I don't know. I've just never taken issue with it. In any other film, I would take issue with it, but here it's just I can't stand it. Maybe it's just too iconic. Maybe it's just too iconic of a scene for me. I don't know. Um, in in his commentary, Callet said there was an alternate take of this, and I I there finally is. tracked down and I watched it. And I would agree yeah. with him that it's way superior, in my opinion, at least. What What do you think of the the alternate take? Have you seen it? I, I have. It's in the. Uh, isn't it in the um, the documentary? The documentary on the um, Criterion yeah. release. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it. On a technical level, it looks better because that jump cut is gone. But I don't know. There's just. Some there's just some sort of it's, charm with it's, that it's jump cut. music it. missing. That's what it is. <laughs> Again, on a technical level, it's that alternate take is a lot better. And logistically speaking, I don't understand why they went with the jump cut version. But you know, in retrospect, I just it, it's re- if it wasn't for having seen that alternate take, I could not imagine that scene without that jump cut, you know? Yeah. That's fair. So one last thing I wanted to bring up before I wanted to talk kind of like the impact of this film was we actually had a little cameo appearance by the Mysterians spaceship as a little prop. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't it in the um the like the aliens conspiracy first guys room or yes, yes. Yeah. That's just. I, I noticed that too. I I didn't I didn't pick up on it that it was the Mysterious one specifically, but I'm like, hey, wait a minute, that looks familiar. Yeah, 
it's I love that. I love that little that little thing. Um so we've talked about the production and the story. So we've kind of covered two thirds of the story. I kind of wanted to talk about its release and kind of its legacy. Mm-hmm. Um and then we can kind of wrap our, our discussion up here because we're we're going on about an hour now talking about the film, roughly. So something like that. Um, so the film was very well received from what I gathered. Uh, mm. It was the fourth highest grossing Japanese film of 1965. Um, domestic Japanese film, which those numbers wouldn't be hit again until Mothra versus Godzilla or not Mothra versus Godzilla, Godzilla versus Mothra in 1992. Yeah. I mean, even by this point, though, the series was clearly in a bit of a decline since King Kong versus. I mean, sure, but it's kind of hard to beat one of the most financially. Oh, yeah, no. It's, I, like, I, no. <laughs> it's like saying, oh, the next Avengers movie doesn't do $3 billion at the box office. Well, mm. yeah, you're not going to beat Endgame. The hype wasn't there. Um, mm. But Ghidorah was still. It was more successful than Mothra versus Godzilla, and if you crack the numbers, yes. Um, if you crack the numbers, Ghidorah actually did more uh, financially than King Kong versus Godzilla. Not in attendance, but financially speaking, it did. Huh. So I thought it, I thought it was that um, I was under the impression maybe maybe this is just me. Um, paying too much attention to solely um, attendance figures, but I thought it was just that it went King Kong vs. Godzilla was where it peaked. We went down a fair bit with Mothra versus, and then we just kept going down for a while more and more. So I, from what I gathered, Ghidorah beat Mothra um, in, hmm. n- in numbers. Um, I could be wrong. You might want to fact check that while I say this. Yeah, I'll have to double check that sometime. Um, um, but in Steve Rifle's book, I believe it was, it talks about uh, it talks about Ghidorah's success, and mm-hmm. I'm checking it. So this is that's I'm going to bring up the American numbers here in a second, but mm-hmm. maybe it was in. Ah, ah, I guess you're right, huh? Initial attendance Ghidorah was higher, huh? Correct. I I genuinely remembered it being the other way around when Mothra um, first. Oh damn! Even Astro Monster beat out Mothra first. This is true. Ah, but it's the overall attendance with um, uh, what you call it with the um re-releases that brought Mothra up. I see. Ah, uh, gotcha. So I'll just That's bring this out first. Um. In America, uh, Ghidorah, the three-headed monster, ended up... uh, It opened in 83 theaters. Um, Later, it released uh, with a double bill with Elvis Presley's Harem Scarum. In Japan, it was double billed with a comedy film as well. Right. I mean, and the inclusion of the comedy duo in the film kind of expresses that it's kind of a comedy, but it's not supposed to be on the satire level of King Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah. Um, but the film in its first five days uh, of release and more 
it earned $1.3 million in America, which mm. is actually pretty good uh, mm. numbers-wise. I mean, these films typically did pretty good um, during the theatrical re- release here, at least early on. Um, like, Rodan attracted f- crowds of people in particular. Yeah, so, and unfortunately for, like, Ghidorah, Ghidorah was the last one to be released fairly close to its original release date. <clears throat> um, following this film... Wasn't Astro Monster released pretty relatively Astro close? Astro Monster was released five years after in 1970 by UPA. I thought it was earlier. What? <laughs> yeah. And then Sea Monster. I'm gonna need to start double checking all the things, fact checking some of the things I re- recall about this series. Goddamn. So then, Sea Monster and Son of Godzilla both didn't get uh, uh, theatrical showings; those were television only. Yeah. Um, I think Godzilla. I mean, even right, they're not missing out much. I think the Straw Monsters and Godzilla's Revenge did receive. Uh, theatrical releases, but I think those were in the set. Um, wasn't I know the Revenge was definitely intended to get one, but I don't remember if it actually did get a theatrical release. I'm pretty sure it did. You, you might I'm, be right. You might be right. Um, I'm I'm trying to remember. I know there was like there was it, it it went under a different title um that got scrapped at least i, I remember the terror that. of godzilla was its original title mm. in america yeah maybe maybe i'm thinking of that where that title where the title got changed last minute maybe that's what where my confusion's coming in perhaps i don't know have to check sometime and i found it so it was in steve rifles and ed gajzeski's Ishiro honda book the 1964-65 box office year was the biggest to date for Japanese movies. Toho, which released the top eight domestic films, was at its peak of its post-war dominance. Ghidorah earned 375 million yen, just over a million dollars, technically more than even King Kong vs. Godzilla, an impressive feat in context. So I'm going to go back here and see if they give numbers for... King Kong versus. So, so was that? I take it that the the Japanese yen was doing very well at the one time because I think. Well, yeah, that was in their economic boom. The yeah, the mid sixties was Japan's highest. Yeah, yeah. So according to Kinema Junpo, it. Uh, grossed 352 million yen, roughly $972,000. That's how much King Kong vs. Godzilla made in the box office, whereas Ghidorah earned 375 million two years later. So there was approximately a three, uh, 20, a $23 million uh, million yen difference. Um, but King Kong versus Godzilla, uh, the yen was not worth as much. I'm pretty sure. So, but it still had and a higher. Attendance was a lot higher for King Kong versus. Well, if it was cheaper for movie tickets, then uh, true. Then that means more people would go see it. True, that is true. 
So that's that's kind of your back and forth. That's why people argue attendance numbers are more valid than uh, box office numbers because the inflation stuff just kind of screws it up. It's it's very messy. I'm it it, it is. Very and then you have to worry about exchange rates, and it, it just becomes yes, that just makes it even worse. Yeah, trying to compare it to any to like other markets that that just makes it a whole new mess. Definitely, one hundred percent. So, even when it's when it was released, Ghidorah the Three Headed Monster was well received. Mm-hmm. Um, from like I said, reading a lot of people criticized it. A lot of people didn't like it, um, which I don't. I don't see that, and this is kind of segueing into kind of my final thoughts here. Um, but I, I just, I've never seen the problem people have with Ghidorah besides them not appreciating Campy Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I really do enjoy this film. I think this is the. I, I consider this the perfect show of Godzilla film. Mm-hmm. I, I I could definitely see that. I, I think there's some contenders, at least for me. Um, mm-hmm. But I I I, Ghidorah the Three Headed Monster is one of the best examples I think of a Godzilla movie. Mm-hmm. It's it it doesn't laugh at itself. Mm-hmm. It's 100% enduring of what it is. And I appreciate that and love that about the film. Yeah. It's funny, but it's not, it's, it's not, it's not winking at the camera. Yeah. Something that King Kong versus Godzilla did a little bit more. Mm. So I, Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, to me at least, is one of the few rare examples of a movie where, upon analyzing and looking at through a critical lens, I think I've grown more appreciative of. As I mentioned, Ghidorah was kind of a new... It was a transition from Godzilla being a villain to a hero, something he would never lose ever again. Which shows how important that idea was. Oh, definitely. Like it like people have this romanticization of the serious Godzilla, the quote unquote true Godzilla, but I but this goofier side to Godzilla is just as just as important to the character, I'd say. Mm-hmm. The 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 campy the less serious Godzilla is what gives him character. That is mm. why Godzilla is a character. It's why he has staying power too. It's why we're able to have more and more, you know, radically different interpretations of the character. And Ghidorah was the film that kind of introduced this Godzilla that could get knocked down that could get beaten up and still get back up and fight because mm-hmm. before this Godzilla kind of like Mothra kind of tangled with Godzilla, but Godzilla was going uh, 
but down the drain. <laughs> what? His win loss record was going down the drain. Yeah. Yeah. Um but in this like Godzilla Godzilla doesn't stop. Godzilla fights and comes out on top and he never lost that. For the rest of almost since up to this point in the series, Godzilla no matter how many times you put him down, he'll come back up. Hmm. So in a way I feel like Ghidorah is pinnacle Godzilla character development. Mm-hmm. I think it's what really translates the film to a relevancy in the franchise. I'm not saying none of the that other, the other films are not relevant to the franchise, but I think Ghidorah was strides ahead of anything before it, uh, minus King Kong versus Godzilla and Raids Again in '54. So mm-hmm. I, I guess, I guess. I mean- Again, going back to that point of, I think the series would have went in this direction with or without this specific film. Mm -hmm. It's kind of clear that was sort of the direction we were heading just with the Frankenstein vs. Godzilla script, you know? Right. I think no matter what, sooner or later, whether or not that specific script would have panned out, um, you know, I, I think we would have gotten the hero the anti-hero and the hero Godzilla at some point no matter what and I think I think Sekizawa said it best and I love this uh, humans create problems with humans monsters solve problems for humans I mm. think that's what he said in his commentary and that's kind of the story idea and that continues on um, I mean look at um, King of the Monsters. Ghidorah is about to take out the Argo. Godzilla pops out of the ocean and you know, gator, uh, alligators him into the to water <laughs> to like death roll him. I mean, or, humans woke up Ghidorah. Godzilla puts a stop to him. Right. Uh, or Godzilla breathes a hole through the entire Earth, and that's how Kong and uh, the Heaves can get back to the surface. Even though I think that's dumber than anything in Ghidorah, Ghidorah finds a way to suspend your belief without making you just lose and drop all reality. Yeah, unlike GVK, which just at a certain point, it's it's pushing the boundary of that suspension so much that you just kind of give up on the film at a certain point. Right. <laughs> See, it wouldn't be a mo- it wouldn't be an episode of Kaiju Conversation unless we bash Godzilla versus Kong in some way. Yeah, it's great. This time we just were able to hold it off towards the end. <laughs> um, so we're gonna have it some. I Anytime we talk, the G yeah, Man. Exactly. So, I to me, Ghidorah the Three Headed Monster is a bookmark, a checkpoint, a a achievement, a landmark movie of the franchise. Oh, um, absolutely. And I, I mean, I, it's it is the time, it is when we established most of our big five as well. You know, yeah. The only yeah. one we had left to establish was MG. Uh, Ten years later. So, I I love this movie. I think it's great. I. Don't 
I don't think I would love the franchise as much as I do if I didn't have this movie in my life, to be honest. It it hits home for me because it was one of my first Godzilla movies. Um, I do have nostalgia for it. I, I understand kind of where people can say that it's a little chaotic and there's subplots like who was the voice that told her to jump out of the plane? Like, what are the UFO people doing? Why are they looking at UFOs? There's a, a fair amount of uh, subplots that go nowhere and are pointless in this, this story. But the film doesn't lose sight of what it needs to be focusing on. And in Stuart Galbraith's book, Monsters Are Attacking Tokyo, he says that the movie runs like 30 minutes too long. And I couldn't disagree more with that. I feel like that's something more <laughs> into Mothra versus Godzilla because the story doesn't feel concluded until it is concluded. And when it concludes, it wraps the story up. <clears throat> so I, I, I think this is one of the perfect examples of a Godzilla movie. And I would recommend it to anybody. Oh, absolutely. That, I'm, just, I'm just thinking about that 30 minutes too long complaint. I, that's honestly something that just is, for me, that I find that a completely unfathom, unfathomable complaint. And like, yeah, where's that complaint for Mothra versus, you know? Right. <laughs> Film that has probably the one of the most severe pacing issues in at least the Showa series at that sort of point where the villains die. Mm-hmm. And the, to me at least, the praise that Mothra gets should be given to Ghidorah and the complaints of Ghidorah. Oh, absolutely. Be I, I, I think absolutely. the film should be completely flipped with how they're viewed critically. I agree with you there. Because, um, you know, that Mothra vs. Godzilla is seemingly a critical darling in this fan base where Ghidorah I, I think nowadays it gets a lot it's a lot more positive but you know you still see a lot of that criticism you're talking about in, in a lot of books in particular a lot of the literature from like Steve Rifle etc 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 right now one person who I think has helped grow the appreciation uh, for the film is David Callet. David Callet embraced Ghidorah a lot and you can see that in his revised book and in his commentary. He defends the movie. Oh, definitely his commentary. Definitely. Tooth and nail. Like, Callet appreciates and loves the film so much. Mm. So, before we go ahead and, like, conclude here, uh, what we've been doing, Rex, if you remember correctly, is ranking the films. Yes. From uh, least favorite to favorite. So... Let's go ahead, and since we've got Ghidorah, uh, let's go ahead and place that out of what now what we're going to rank is 54 Raids Again, King Kong versus Mothra versus Godzilla and Ghidorah. Uh, did you want to go, or do you want right. to go? Okay. Um, so I think what I said before was, prior to this film, I think it was from least to best, it was Raids Again, Mothra versus King Kong versus and then 54. I think that's what I said. I think so too. Yeah. Um, so where would I place Ghidorah? Mm-hmm. Um, 
if I had to speak on a critical level, I would probably place it just below 54. But on a personal enjoyment level, this is what I can, this is just one of the easiest movies I can put on, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think I would, in terms of my actual enjoyment, this is one of my favorite films of all time. This goes straight up the top for me. Yeah. Um, For me, I would put Raids again at the bottom. Mothra versus next, King Kong versus following that. And then I would put 54 and then Ghidorah. I, 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 somewhere in my room, I have a list of like a hundred movies that I would say are like the pinnacle cinema for me. Mm -hmm. And this is on there. Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster is one of those movies that is on my list. Um, Oh yeah, same for me. (laughs) I I love this movie. It's it's, it's one of my favorite it's one of my favorite films of all time Hmm. and I would place it above 54 any day of the week suck an egg if you disagree I'm not (laughs) trying to be right I'm just like I I love it it's it's amazing I love this movie and I would my life would be a lot worse if I didn't have it to watch frequently so with that being said my voice is kind of shot i don't know if you can tell but like um it it hurts it hurts to speak now it's it's kind of throbbing (laughs) these Um, things they have i knew you were not going to be able to make it through an episode without saying (laughs) (laughs) hey i I was going I've, i've gone a while without saying it today you've you've went about an hour and a half so I, I think this is my first time saying it today. Oh, congratulations. Or maybe second. I might have said it when we called earlier. <laughs> I don't remember. So let's go ahead and Rex, why don't you tell the lovely people at home where they can find you so they can hear more of your appreciation for Ghidorah and your complaints about the other films. Godzilla vs. Mothra in 1992 as well. I'm the leader of that film's hate train. Um, <laughs> But yeah, um, well, if, dear viewer, if you want to find me, you can search up Rexino on YouTube, at Rex underscore Xenomorph on Twitter, and Rex underscore Xeno on Instagram. If you want to read a bit of my writing, um, I have, I write on the Tokusatsu Network, so if you're looking for some updates on Godzilla or other token news, check out there. Alrighty. Well, as for me... You can find me on Twitter at ET13Productions, on Instagram at ET13Productions, or on YouTube at ET13Productions. Besides that, I am a contributor for Kaiju Ramen Magazine. You can find uh, my work available for purchase uh, via PDF on kaijuramenmedia.com. Beyond that, I've guest appeared on plenty of podcasts, uh, talking about giant monsters and most recently, and this is a new thing. So I'm happy to finally be able to talk about it and announce it. Uh, a while back I was asked to work on a little book for kids 
And now I have I can successfully and proudly say that you can now order your own copy of the book that I worked on titled Giant Bug Cinema, A Monster Kid's Guide, covering a ton of different uh, giant bug movies. I wrote one about, guess it, Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster. Um, I just realized that I didn't think about that until I just started, like, talking. And yes, I, I wrote about Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster. So if you want to see a review published uh, in a book by me about this film, definitely give that a check. Uh, I tried to not sound too too pretentious in that in that article, um, but that is definitely my most. Uh, I'm sure your pretension will still sip in through the cracks. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. Um, <laughs> but it's great. Uh, so definitely check that out. It's available on barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com, and there's one more place it's available. Let me check. Uh, and on the publisher's link, which is bearmanor.com. So definitely check it out if you're interested. There's a plethora of other great stuff, and there's also a review written by my friend Nathan Marchand, uh, host of the Monster Island Film Vault and the Henshin Men podcast and the co-host of the Power Trip podcast. So there's a little bit of a linkage for you there. Um, if you want to find my other personal stuff, I'll leave that to you. Uh, you can find it. It's not difficult. If you want to give it a follow, have fun with that. <laughs> Um, as for the podcast, however, don't forget to rate us on iTunes. That boosts our ratings and helps us get recommended to more people like you. Right now, we're sitting at a 3.0, and we've been putting out a lot of content. And we don't sound awful unless you want to count the fact that my voice is just dying as I'm talking right now. Uh, it sounds awful, but I'm beautiful. <laughs> sure. Uh, we also have review bombs, so if you can, definitely leave us a five-star review and review us so we can we can get recommended to more people just like you if you don't have an apple device which i don't blame you i don't you can tweet us and follow us on twitter at k-a-i-j-u underscore c-o-n-v-e-r-s if you don't have that you can like us on facebook or follow us on instagram and contact us through those means if you're like me before podcasting and you don't have any social media lucky you you can email us at kaijuconversation at gmail.com, all lowercase, all one word, you know the drill. And we will read your reviews on air for everyone to hear. We also have merchandise on Teespring. It's just our logo. If you want to sport our awesome logo, go for it. If not, eventually we'll have other stuff up there, but I keep saying that and nothing happens. So Soon enough. Soon enough. If you'd like to chat with me or Rex one-on-one -on -one or hear other people's opinions on different subjects in the realm of kaiju and tokusatsu, join our Discord server. Uh, currently, the discussion that has been had, uh, somebody made the hot take that Gigan is better than any other kaiju in existence. Um, Ooh, before that, there were some postings about uh, the new Gamera that was announced, Gamera Rebirth. And... Uh, some other fun, exciting stuff about the uh, new Godzilla film coming out and classic Showa Godzilla stuff. 
even some uh, Tokyo Comic Con short films, um, kaiju related short films in it. So we got a lot of stuff going on there. So definitely check that out. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the bell so you can be notified anytime we upload there. Right now we've been uploading a lot of our back uh, catalog, but we also have a mini-sode coming out on Godzilla video games. Uh, By the time this comes out, it should be already out. We have bloopers up there, an exclusive interview with Mechagodzilla designer from Ready Player One and Godzilla vs. Kong, Jared Kurchevsky. Um, So definitely check that out. Uh, we also have some more stuff coming up for that, uh, coming up in the uh, coming year. Uh, I made a tweet about this, but episode 50 is right around the corner. And I think the fifth anniversary of Kaiju Conversation. I don't know if that's going to be, I think that's the following. No, it's next year. Next year is the fifth year of Kaiju Conversation. So we're, I'm trying to, create some stuff uh we got some stuff going on some exciting stuff behind the scenes that both of rex and i are proud of and i can say that for certain um so definitely check out the youtube channel that's going to be a great place to find stuff and enjoy some upcoming stuff a huge thanks to rex to editing these episodes we've got like over two hours of audio here to edit Uh, almost three Um, (laughs) thankfully I'm I'm gonna have a good time (laughs) thankfully the first 40 minutes of this is not important to the final episode you're hearing now yeah but there's still a fair bit here (laughs) this is true this is true I'll look at it this way it's it's better than the than the bonus episode this is true this is true and if you want to hear our opinions on Godzilla 54, King Kong vs. Godzilla, Mothra vs. Godzilla, or Godzilla Raids again, definitely check out those episodes as you can find them in our podcast feed. Um, and if you want our opinions on uh, the recent Godzilla Day, um, such as things like the short films and the upcoming Yamazaki film, please check out that bonus. It's it's almost three hours long. I. It, it it took a lot of time to edit. And it's actually... I found it entertaining to have in the background. I enjoyed listening to it. And I don't normally listen to myself, so definitely yeah, check that out. So thank you guys so much for listening to us talk about Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster. It was a pleasure. I don't know... No promises on another Godzilla movie, but definitely come back because the next episode is talking about a kaiju movie you probably haven't heard of, and it came out very recently. So Mm. enjoy that. 2023 is coming around the corner, so get ready for that. We have a ton of stuff ahead of us. So thank you guys so much for joining us on this journey. Thank you, Rex, for joining me on this journey. And we will be back with more content in the near future. Thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, please remember, life's too short to not talk big. Bye, guys. Bye.